Well, grace to you, friends, and thank you for joining us. We're in the middle of our mini-series called Habits of Grace. And our aim has been to find out from Scripture how can we live the abundant life that Jesus talks about and promises. How, how can we cultivate a lifestyle that positions us to receive more of God's grace in our lives? Okay, now don't get me wrong. It's not that... Uh, it's not been a series on how to earn God's grace. We know this. Um, we can't earn God's grace. Nor has it been about getting, you know, the lives that we want from God. Uh, but this is about taking hold of what what earlier generations called the means of grace, the the channels, the conduits, the instruments that God delivers His grace to us. All right, and we've looked at some of these means. We've looked at in our first week uh, the finding grace through Bible reading. Remember, uh, then we looked at finding grace through prayer, the habit of prayer. Then we looked at finding grace through the gathering with believers, uh, fellowship. All right, and uh, before we continue on, and today we're going to look at the the habit of service. All right, now before we get into that. I think I just want to pause here and say that sometimes, you know, you hear over and over the things that you can or the things that you should be doing. And, you know, we tend to go in one or two directions. Either these things weigh us down so much. Uh -huh. uh, the list is so long that we feel overwhelmed, like paralyzed. Okay. Um. And we get anxious, like a boiling kettle. We, that, that's one way we can react. Or, we're not going to make any progress at all. You just decide, well, I like that list and I'm okay with that. But I'm also okay with just being okay. And you're not going to sweat it much. Right? There's, that's the two directions you can take this. So, my advice to you, and to everyone, all right, is, to, is to just pick one. Pick one of these habits and pick and focus on one facet of that particular habit, right? You take that one step and you do that one step over and over and over. I mean, I think only God, I believe only God is able to do all the list. <laughs> We're not God. We're finite creatures. So just take one step over and over and over again in one of those areas, okay? And I believe the more steps you take, all right, the more steps you take, the more encouragement you'll have, and you will find ultimately a better progress than trying to step with everything or not stepping at all. Right, so that's just a side note. All right, now today we are going to talk about a very simple but profound habit of grace, and that is called service. Okay, now for those listening, some of those listening, this is going to be an affirmation, this is going to be a confirmation, this is going to be refreshing, because I'm preaching to the choir. All right, um, but there might be others that this habit of grace is going to be the means of the Holy Spirit working on you, hammering away. 
uh, and bringing about much confession. And I just want to encourage you, you, please hang with me. All right, be stirred, but be stirred in a good way. Now, when we talk about service, I mean, that, that's a huge topic in the Bible. You can easily say over a hundred references of service in the Bible. You know that these infamous ones, 1 Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Okay, so Mark 10.45, for even the Son did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. You know those two infamous references. Okay, now I'm not going to I don't want to look at these commands and, and look at the words. And I want to look to what, what are these commands referencing back to and drawing us to live in the light of. Okay. And our main text this morning is Luke 20. Um, sorry, it's, it's John 13, 1 to 17. 13, 1 to 17. And while you're getting your Bibles there, there's, I mentioned Luke 22 because, <laughs> you know, that's the disciples here are, are arguing who's, who is the best, right? I mean, heavens, who would have such a conversation out loud in the first place? Uh, but, yeah, apparently they're having this argument out loud in front of Jesus, Um just wonderful supper conversation and Jesus interrupts them in Luke 22 verse 25 how's this he says Jesus said to them the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors but you are not to be like that instead the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table, but I am among you as one who serves? Right. I mean, Jesus could have interrupted this argument and pointed out, and quite rightly so, he could have said, I am the one whom all things are made and through whom things remain made. I am the one who is going to ascend to glory. I am the one ruling over all authorities. I am the great I am, right? I mean, he could have done that. He could have interrupted the conversation and pointed out to them that I create and sustain all things and that your conversation is foolish. He could have said, no, guys, you know, you're all great. You're all equal, But instead he says, no, you follow me, for I am among you as one who serves. So he flips it entirely upside down. And the example that we're going to look at, and here he is modeling what he just spoke in John 13, 1 to 17. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. 
Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands, my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For we, he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And may God bless the reading of his word to us today. So I would like us to briefly consider three, three things that Jesus shows us about service. Okay? And the first one is what we see here with the disciples is another example of what we see over and over in the life of Jesus, which is that love compels him to meet the needs of others. Love compels Jesus over and over again to move toward and meet the needs of Jesus. This is the heart of Jesus' service, is it not? It's love. The heart, and this is my first point, the heart of service is love. Um, when Jesus sees a leper, he heals and touches them. He doesn't have to touch them. But we see he, he draws near and he touches him in Matthew 8. And he's healed. Matthew 9. Paralyzed friend is brought and Jesus doesn't wait for them to ask. He knows their need. And when he saw their faith, he said, take heart, my friend, your sins are forgiven. When Jesus sees a crowd of people, many times in the Bible, Jesus is described that his first response to the, the observation of a crowd, hmm, what is his first response? Compassion. Over and over again. Sees a crowd, has compassion. Sees a crowd, has compassion. Matthew 14, Matthew 15. Sees a crowd, has compassion, and is concerned for their hunger. So he makes a plan and he feeds them, and feeds them abundantly. Mark chapter 6, he sees people who need a teacher. And it's noted, he had compassion and began teaching. Now, when I see crowds, very rarely, if ever, is my first response compassion. <laughs> it's all kinds of other things, good things, bad things, ugly things. But this is the heart of Jesus, compassion. 
um, which literally means a rising of emotion in the innermost core. A rising of the emotion in the innermost core. I like uh, D. Ortland's quote in his book, Gentle and Lonely. Lowly. He, he, he reflects on this matter and he, he put it like this, and I'm quoting. He says, If the actions of Jesus are reflective of who is most who he is most deeply, we cannot avoid the conclusion that it is the very fallenness which he came to undo that is most irresistibly attractive to him. This is deeper than just saying Jesus is just loving or merciful or gracious. The cumulative testimony of the four Gospels is that when Jesus Christ sees the fallenness of the world all around him, his deepest impulse and most natural instinct is to move toward that sin and suffering, not away from it. So here is what all of that in the life of Jesus says to us this morning. And it is that. Love, true love, love that is pure, a love that is seen in the person of Christ. That love goes where need is. That love goes where need is. That's the heart of Christian service. Think of it this way. If you have trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, then that means the fallenness, the brokenness, the sin that existed and still exists in you is what attracted him to you. Because he came to you, he touched you, he healed you, he redeemed you. Right? Where where we are repulsed by fallenness, he moves towards it and he undoes it. He cleans it. He fixes the brokenness. So if you have trusted him, he has touched you and continues to touch you with healing. He is forgiving you and continues to forgive you. He's forging, he's restoring you. So, yes, I know, on this side of heaven, that never feels completely, you know, complete. And, and never feels completely done, completely renewed. But, but it doesn't deny this incredible reality that we are healed by the hand of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Amen? And there is coming a day when absolutely your brokenness will be gone, your tears will be gone, your diseases will be gone, you'll be fully restored in a resurrected body because He came to you. He came to you. But it means another thing too. That as one who has been touched by Jesus, as one who has been approached and healed by Jesus, he's inviting you and I and every one of his followers to follow after his steps. We are to be agents of that love to broken people. 
We are to be, we are to go that same direction that that love took Jesus. We are to follow that same direction. We are to be attracted to brokenness, attracted in, a, in, a, in this context, hear me now, attracted to that sin, running towards it to redeem it, fix it, heal it, forgive it. You with me? Not because he needs us. Hmm? He doesn't invite us because he needs us. He invites us to follow in his footsteps because it gives him pleasure. It gives him glory. He delights in using us and partnering with us in this redeeming work. In this kingdom work by sending us. So why then, friends, be honest. Why do we find it so hard to serve? why do we find it so hard to serve okay and i think there are some things in this context that will help us all right you ready when it comes to your service and making it a habit of service i would say the first thing and it's taken from the clue of jesus here is that you must not be the barrier to this habit you must not be the barrier to service. Okay? Where do I get that from? I get it from verse 1. Look at it. says there, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. So in other words, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to depart. He knew what was coming. And he served them anyway. Now think about that. I know it's a lovely story and it's heartwarming when Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Okay? And it's wonderful what he does. But what's going on inside Jesus' heart? It's war. It is war. He is suffering. He is suffering because he knows the hour has come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. He knows what's coming around. He knows he's going to be arrested, beaten, mocked, tried, executed. I mean, it would have been completely appropriate for him to take that night off and say, you know what, guys, I need some time for myself. Completely appropriate. Um. And if, if there was a time for him to take a night off, it was going to be that night. So no one would have faulted him for, you know, chilling out that night. So no, he, he did not allow himself to be a barrier to service. And the same for us, friends. I mean, sure, what, what a mercy it is that God doesn't tell us our future. You know, can you imagine what your life would be like if you knew all the bad things coming to you in your future before it happened. I mean, we'd just be living in constant fear and constant anxiety. 
Um, but I mean, Jesus being Jesus, despite knowing what's coming, uh, hmm? despite knowing it, what? Well, we just read it. We just read the rest of um, what follows in chapter 13. Despite that suffering, Jesus was somehow able to step through in love and service and love and service those people. That's incredible. That is incredible. So we must be careful that we don't become a persistent barrier to love and service in our own lives. Now, yes, I mean, we need to take care of ourselves. The, the last thing suffering people need is to feel guilty about their limitations. All right? That's not my heart at all. I think those of us who are suffering should also see that Christ, what, what Jesus does here. Okay? It's, it's not a guilt trip because our sin has been dealt with. But we, as we see Jesus, despite his suffering, still love and serve, okay, there's an invitation here. There's an invitation here to equally find fulfillment in service. Fulfillment, even in the boundaries of your limitations. Joy and fulfillment, even in the boundaries of your limitations. Um, all of us are experiencing uh, you know, the difficulties of life in a fallen world. All of us. Wherever we go, there will be challenges. And some challenges will feel persistent and almost like suffocating. But I think that all of us can find a reason. Right? I think all of us can find a reason to make our lives either about self-satisfaction or seeking the good of others. And inevitably, if you take the path of always seeking self-satisfaction, always looking to selfishness, you know, Scripture tells us, it's clear, that is a dead end. A dead end. And if you don't believe it, you must try this. Wake up. Next time it's your birthday. All right? Or you're some special day. Father's Day, Mother's Day, it's your birthday. Right? That morning, you wake up. And as you wake up, you think through all the expectations you have for that day. And all the things you think people, other people could do to make it a great day for you. Get that good. Get that good and set in your mind. And then just wait for everyone to deliver. Then that night, just before you go to bed, see how that day went for you. <laughs> you will always come up short if you make your day about you. There is another way to think about your special day. Why not wake up and think good about how you can serve others instead of waiting for people to serve you? It doesn't have to be over the top. Just think, I mean, in the bounds of your limitations... Make a plan in your heart to consider others. Go where needs are and serve them. Serve them. I think some of the most sincere, godly, joyful, warm-hearted people I know are people 
who suffer deeply and in the midst of that choose to make their life about God's glory rather than themselves. They have chosen to make their life something beyond their own limitations and struggles. And I think we find over and over again that there is incredible freedom and joy when we choose that path for ourselves. So just as Christ did, don't let the challenges and circumstances you're facing become a barrier to living a life of love and service. My next two points are quicker than the first one. Okay, But we notice here there's a war going on in his heart. And what also we know here is that Jesus knows... Jesus knows that Judas is going to betray him, right? And what does Jesus do anyway? He knows it. The, the scriptures tell us Jesus after dinner gets dressed like a servant. He goes around one at a time washing the 12 men's feet, 12 men's feet. And I can tell you at some point along the way, he stops and washes the feet of a man who will betray him at the cost of his life. And I won't elaborate on this, but let me just ask before we move on. Is there anyone in your life you have refused to forgive? Is there anyone in your life you've refused to forgive? Anyone? Family member in the past? Who do you think of? And then that grudge rises to the surface of your heart. I wouldn't go there if I didn't think there isn't grace for you. None of us, but none of us want to carry the weight of that bitterness. No one, no one likes the way it feels in our hearts, right? But most of us accept it as normal. It's not normal. And so often we wouldn't say it out loud that we're doing this, but we choose to carry the weight of unforgiveness. Now, yes, at times, it, it's because of real evil, you know, real stuff that happened that is really wrong. But, look at the passage again. If there was anyone who was truly wronged, it was Jesus in this moment. And no doubt, Judas, he's got severe consequences coming. Serious consequences for the betrayal that he's got to walk through. But at this moment, he's receiving the common kindness of God. He doesn't get singled out. He doesn't get put aside. So that teaching that Jesus gives in Matthew 5 and Luke 6 to love your enemies, here he is, he's doing it. He's actually doing it. So friend, don't let unforgiveness be a barrier to your service. So ABC, as we anticipate 2022, there are difficulties, there will be obstacles, there will be challenges, right? That must not unhook us from service. There will be unforgiveness. And we have to fight that and shepherd our hearts accordingly. We will not let unforgiveness become a barrier to our service. And for those who are new to our fellowship, right? Don't let that, that unknownness, don't let inconvenience 
as you make new habits and meet new people and come to a new place, don't let inconvenience be a barrier to your service. Go for it, because here's the final point. And it's found in verse 17. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Truly blessed. That's what Jesus promises. It's, Jesus is not in this to get your service so that he will be blessed. Hmm? He doesn't need our service. <laughs> he is commanding us and giving us an example because he knows we ourselves will be blessed. So if you want blessing, the habit of grace is serving. In every context, work, family, church, you name it. Think of, think of everything you have. Your house, your car, your inheritance, your estate, your equity, your time. How can you leverage it to serve? So I'll leave you with one practical application. It's something you want to grow in as a habit of grace in your life, okay? And it's simply this. Create margin. Create margin. Someone once described a service like this. And I'm quoting, service is the practice of humbling yourself to be present with others and responsive to their needs. Hmm? Service is the practicing, is the practice of humbling yourself to be present with others and responsive to their needs. And I think for many people, the obstacle of service, you know, isn't selfishness, it's busyness. Right? It's busyness. Most people are not consciously thinking, you know, how can I make this day all about me? I don't think we're walking around thinking like that. But many people are consumed by other things and therefore have no time or space for any adjustments or any interruptions. We're just not present or available to be present or responsive to needs. Now, if love goes where need is, if that's what we see in the heart and life of Jesus, then I think we have to, we have to make enough space in our day and attention span to serve those needs. Even today, I would encourage you to create space to not do other things, and see if there are needs right under your nose, in the lounge, on the street, in the community, in your village, in your church, wherever. So have the heart of the service, of service. Have the space for service. Have the movement of service and may the love of Christ so fill our hearts that this sacrifice for Christ will fill our lives with the power and blessing of God. Power and blessing of God. Because here is the trajectory, and I'm going to close with this reference as we pray together. Okay? Let's pray this Philippians 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement 
from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Father God, thank you. Thank you that we are united in you. Thank you that in you we can draw this comfort. We can draw this love, this peace, this power. In you there is a common sharing in the Holy Spirit. In you there is always for us forgiveness, tenderness and compassion. In all our weaknesses you are attracted to it, to heal it, redeem it, and fix it. Thank you, God Almighty, that you remain welded to your mission to conform us to the likeness of Christ. And you will complete that, Father God. Thank you, God. May we be like-minded. May we have the same love, drawn to, interested in, making space for, okay, reprioritizing that we will go the same way. We will let that love direct us to that same service, one in spirit, one in mind, that that same spirit will exercise itself in us, less selfish ambition, less vain conceit, and more humility with others, more priority for others. Less interest for ourselves, more interests of others. May we have that same mindset. Lord God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your model. Thank you for your truth. And we thank you for your power that as we look to you, worship you, rest in you, you will bring this in and out of us. We trust it so, Father God. I would pray, Lord God, that if this love is not present in any listener, that today would be the day that they would let you heal. You are a good physician. Come and heal their brokenness. Maybe this is the first time they've heard that they are broken and sinful and totally wrecked without you. Today would be the day they said, Lord Jesus, come into my life and touch everything. Touch everything. And remain fixing. Remain mending. Remain realigning, correcting that which is broken and lost. And as we have that love, Father God, I pray you would give us the power to forgive. Lord, that we, whatever the person's name is or the face or the the situation, Father, you would give us the power, the courage to make that choice and say, I forgive you. I forgive you and trust you in that. And know your blessing. And no longer allow that to produce a negative economy in our lives. No longer allow it to produce unnecessary shame, unnecessary guilt, unnecessary weight. Set us free. Set us free with forgiveness. And Lord Jesus, would you, Father, would you just bless bless us as we seek to serve others and everything that is done in the name of Jesus, would it be exponentially blessed. In your name we pray. Amen.
Thank you, friends.